Um, so, and we've had this conversation back and forth a couple times of like, does the gear not exist because the demographic doesn't exist or does the demographic not exist because the gear doesn't exist? And I think Sam and I are starting to show and other, other gear companies are getting on board. Other clothing companies are getting on board and showing that the argument that the demographic just doesn't exist. So therefore we don't make the thing is not true at all. There are people that want to do outdoor activities that just don't because there's no gear or the clothing isn't there which in turn makes them feel unwelcome. Yeah. Like they're not wanted. Yeah. And when you turn it into an economic discussion, it's saying that their dollars don't mean as much as a straight sized person's dollars. And, um, and it's a struggle. And I think clothing brands too are really starting to get on board with it with, you know, we've seen REI in Columbia and a couple other brands are starting to really see that like, Oh, if we actually do make clothes for people, then they'll feel welcome and important and they'll feel like this thing is for them because the clothing exists. Um, so it's definitely a chicken before the egg, but I think that it's starting to starting to see that it is people buy with their emotion. And if they feel welcome, they're going to spend their money there. Welcome to episode 7 of the Outdoor Social. I'm your host, Tommy Corey, a.k.a. Twerk. Uh, And welcome to my least favorite part of doing the podcast. My intro. (laughs) Um, Today's episode, uh, I talked to um, my new friend, Megan Banker, who is a plus-size climber. Yeah, bitches, get on board. They exist, all right? Um, This is, a, I think, a very interesting episode, Um, especially for for people who are straight-sized people, Um, and that's anyone who isn't a plus-size person. Uh, You know, I, I posted a photo of her about a month ago saying that there is even privilege in just existing as someone who is smaller, um, or skinny, I guess. Uh, and it's really interesting to, you know, hear someone, um, that's heavily involved in the outdoors, especially climbing and hear how, you know, they have to navigate, uh, certain aspects, um, you know, when it comes to, being social, um, when it comes to, you know, buying gear and equipment that fits them comfortably. Uh, so I think this is a really, um, awesome episode and Megan has a little, uh, a lot of really great insight, um, into the struggles that come with being a plus size person in the outdoors. Um, it is kind of a longer episode. Uh, I, you know, tried to cut it down, but there was a lot of 
really good information in here. Um, so you're just going to have to strap on your boots or your dildo or whatever you want to strap on to get through it. Um, and listen, uh, <laughs> and usually I would go on about my life like most, uh, podcast hosts do, but I have really nothing that interesting to tell. So we're just going to get straight to it because this episode's already long enough. Okay. So, uh, Put on that dildo and listen. Okay, bye. Okay. We're live. <laughs> Fucking hell. I hate podcasting. <laughs> it's a great hobby. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that was just 45 minutes of trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> it was great. We bonded. We watched some videos. You bonded watching me stress out. If I was by myself, I wouldn't be freaking out, but holy shit. Like I would someone... have thrown out the window, so. Oh, God. Okay, well, we're here, and we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> we're here, and we're ready. We're here, we're queer, get used to it. All right. Um, welcome. Thank you. How's it going? It's going. It's great. <laughs> You're much less flustered than I would be if I was having technological oh issues, which is why I don't podcast. I really do get flustered by these things. Um, cool. Well, Megan, introduce yourself. Say who you are, why you're here, what's going on. Uh, <laughs> my name is Megan Banker. I am here because you invited me. But why I'm here on this earth, I guess, is that what your question was? Uh, how do you pertain to this podcast? I am a plus size rock climber and mountain climber. I have been doing it for a few years now and, um, I've been getting some attention for it just for being outside living in this body. Um, there's not that many of us, so I'm here to stand out and be one of them. There's probably more than you think. I think I, I, I hope that there is. They're coming and out I of the woodwork. Like I think we're starting to get our time. We're starting to, people are starting to recognize us. Hell yeah. About goddamn time, right? About time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, I discovered you through a, an outside magazine or outside online article. Yeah. Um, because I interviewed Ashley Manning. Mm-hmm. She's wonderful. Want to be BFF with her immediately. But I decided that we're going to be BFFs. Yeah, we should just have like BFF meetup. Yes. Where I Agreed. just come and make you guys do Hiker Trash Vogue or Climber or... Uh, we would do some great Hiker Trash Vogue photos. Rock Climbing Vogue and then she could do um, Paddling yeah. Vogue or what was it What's it called? Whitewater rafting, Vogue. <laughs> rafting Vogue. I, w- I really want to go on a whitewater trip with her, but I think I'd be terrified. But I'll go just yeah. hang out with her. We might be... We're in the works of planning something with me, Ashley, Sam Ortiz, who was also mm-hmm. in the article, and Jenny Brusso, who wrote the article. Oh, nice. Um, Ashley's company is working with us. It's still very much in the... Can I just go and take pictures and do, <laughs> yeah. what's it called, hot girl summer pics? Yes. It's still very much uh, in the brainstorming phase, but... Or we could do hot girl winter. Hot girl winter. Oh, on the water. I like winter. I, I like winter, It'll too. It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm, getting married, I'm getting married in the winter, but uh, yeah. This winter? Next winter. Oh, okay. 2020. Oh, that's right. December, right? hmm Right. Okay. We should do hot girl winter. It'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah, not on the water though. Um, okay, so if you you've listened to one to Ashley's episode at least, yeah, I've listened to the first three. Um, okay. I really okay. liked Ashley's episode, and then the one with Keeps. Yeah. Yeah, was hilarious. Yeah, she's outrageous. 
Um, so, you know, we have a game called Who Said It, where yes. I read you uh, quotes from posts that you've liked um, from people that you follow. I'm super nervous for it, but yes, I you know should be, you but should. I know what to think. And we're only going to do five because sometimes the segment goes a little bit long. Um, <laughs> and we have, and I have like a long list of questions for you. So Great. Uh, we're going to get through this. Okay. I'm ready. So let's start with the first one. Um, the quote is... I believe that self-care is holistic. It is a balance of mind and body, an opportunity to reflect on your emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, sexual, relational, and professional well-being. I feel don't look like... over here. I saw that. I can see the the letters, but uh-huh. I can't see that far. I don't have my glasses on. Don't worry. I'm making this not as bright. <laughs> I'm trying don't to trust cheat. you. <laughs> can I ask for clues? Uh, sure. You get one clue, and then I'll just tell you. Because is it a doctor friend of mine or an outdoor person? Outdoor person. Uh, Jenny Brusso. No. Dang it. Who was it? You carry their product in your Oh, your no. Office. Was it Merrick? Yeah, it's Merrick. <laughs> yeah. Merrick. Love you. <laughs> uh, I should have known. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. All right. It's okay. It's okay. Hindsight. I do carry his products. One? Yeah. All right. I'm ready. The finish line is for the ego. The journey is for the soul. I just like this one. Oh, shoot. It's a new one. You just I just it. did. It's a good quote, too. It's a great quote. I love it. I'm really bad. They wear heels. Patagonia? Yeah. Yeah. That was helpful. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next one. I often do not think about the social constructs of beauty in the world since I am usually deeply immersed in the backcountry. I don't have a mirror to criticize myself so harshly. My body isn't shameful, but rather a strong machine that works until it's time to relax. I feel like that one's you. No. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Someone who's in the backcountry a lot. Ashley? Yeah. Hey! Yeah, All right, I got, I got one. Two for three. You're doing like good. One and a half. You gave me clues for Patty. All right. Ready? Yes. Being white, cis-passing, able-bodied, pretty enough, and having an acceptable... That one's Jenny. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to finish it. <laughs> okay. It is a good quote, though. I am You can finish keep it. finishing I'm going to finish Yeah, it. for the listeners, yes. Acceptable, in quotes. Fat body type. Make what I have to say more palatable to people and brands who can fund my work. Which was a great post. In general, yeah. The whole thing was good. She always has amazing posts, and that one especially. Really, Very woke. Yeah. That one resonated that with me too. So, <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, it's like as soon as you start, I was like, "Oh, that's Jenny. That's one hundred percent Jenny." Uh, ready for the next one? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hurry. Let's get this shit over with. <laughs> um, the dominant narratives have remained dominant in my feed, even after multiple efforts to diversify in other ways. Is that Sam Ortiz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that recent post? Yeah. Which want to elaborate on did you read um, the whole thing i did yeah she was it was her re- most recent post i think that was it was just like yesterday yeah yeah about how she's gonna stop following people who are really well known in the space um and i totally get what she's saying because i tend to follow people who are like you know my climbing idols you know we have like alex Arnold and mm-hmm climbers that are like him that are very well known, very well sponsored for good reason. They're great. They're great, great climbers. But then it just fills my feed with all of 
the things that I'm not like, I'm not mm-hmm. a very thin, super athletic, crazy climber person. Um, and so by filling my feed with that, I'm just kind of perpetuating the cycle. And yeah. I've been starting to fill my feed with other people who are other bodied, who are, you know, I, I love the new, um, there's a new one, disabled hikers. Like I just followed that. Yeah. Too. I just followed she, that. um, I, what I really liked about that post too is at the end, she, Included a bunch of other people to yeah. follow. Yeah. And I thought that was really smart. Sam's always really great about that of like, here are people yeah. that you should be following. Yeah. And um, I really liked that post too, because I, I feel like I don't follow a lot of elitist mm-hmm. people because I am someone that really compares myself. And I do this with photographers oh, as yeah. well. It's like, I don't like, I like there's certain photographers I do follow and I like their, cause I like their work and I'm inspired by it, but I try not to just follow people just cause they're photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe sounds kind of like pompous or like stuck up, mm-hmm. but it's for that same reason as like, I don't like, I mean, I even on my last day of finishing the PCT, I was still, I was frustrated that I was walking slower than people. And then yeah. I got, that I got there late and I didn't have like a moment to myself there because mm-hmm. there were, everyone else was faster than me. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's one of the things that I struggled with the first year that I was climbing was comparing myself and, and being worried that I was too slow or too this or too that. And it was really hard for me when I first started really getting into climbing um, both mountain and rock just because I was comparing myself and there was nobody that looked like me to be like, Oh, all right, I'm on an okay level. Like I was comparing myself to my fiance who's a hundred pounds lighter than I am and was climbing a year before I did. So then I was like, Oh, why can't I climb that thing that you can climb? And he's like, I've I've been doing it longer and our bodies are different. And it took me a long time to take the shame away from that. Was that, I mean, was that comment hard to hear from your partner? No, because he does a really good job of just being like, that's just what it is. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no judgment attached to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. You know? But I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I've never really struggled with him giving me comments like that. Yeah. Um, for some reason. Cause I mean, even as like a small person, I mean, I remember a few years ago I had like gained like, I don't know, like 15 pounds, whatever. Boohoo. But as like five, four, it's, pretty noticeable and i remember my brother saying oh you're getting a little bit chunky and i remember just like going over that in my head constantly like i don't know i feel like it's it's even if even if you're like saying oh you look you look thin or i don't know i think sometimes there's this gray area with like commenting on people's bodies regardless of which way you're commenting yeah i mean because even if you're commenting on someone's body saying like oh like you look thinner um, like I, and I've done that even as, yeah. as a bigger person, like I'm super cognizant of it. And even I've been like, Oh, you look really thin. And I had someone be like, yeah, I'm suffering with really terrible depression and I'm not eating. And yeah. then I was like, Oh, well crap. Now I look like a jerk. Um, so I just think like commenting on people's bodies is just not great in general because you never yeah. know what they're going through or what, what they've got going on in their lives and either whether they've gained weight, lost weight, changed their, like their shape a little bit you know, yeah. all that stuff is like, just, mm. I'd rather someone just say like, and, and like, and I'm not saying I've never, like, I've definitely like seen friends be like, Oh, you lost weight. You look good. Yeah. We yeah. always say that like, Oh, you've lost weight. You look good. But then 
like what if that person has an eating disorder? Exactly. And that's like the, the, yeah. that's the example that's used a lot is like, you shouldn't ever say like, Oh, you lost weight. You look great. You no one ever like, says hey, like, you Oh, you healthy. gained weight. You look great. Yeah. I mean, unless they knew that you had an eating disorder and then they're trying to tell you like your, I don't know, your body's changed yeah. in a good way. But, um, I try to, when I give people compliments or if they you're perpetuating that thin is the only thing that looks good yeah. by saying that when right. it's not true. Yeah. Or that it's the only thing that's healthy. Yeah, exactly. By saying like, yeah. Yo, you lost weight. You look great. Like, yes, I yeah. look great. But when we really should just be saying, Oh, you look really nice today. Yeah. Or you look beautiful or your skin looks good. Exactly. Yeah. It was really nice. I got, um, when I was at trail days, which was just like a shit show. Oh my God. <laughs> but this really sweet girl came up to me and, um, she had read, you know, my posts about a couple of posts I've made about you know, recently going sober. And she says, she's like, oh, are you still not drinking? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, it shows. She's like, you're glowing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the nicest compliment. Your skin does look great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I feel really good. Uh, but that was just like, I was like, oh, I love compliments like that. Yeah. Like, that's a really nice compliment. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think when, when people are healthy and it has nothing to do with how much you weigh or what shape your body is when you're healthy, like it shows in your skin looking great, your hair looking great, like your attitude changing, things like that. There are other, a lot of other indicators that someone is experiencing really great health Yeah, that have nothing to do with what size your body yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think we strayed from our game. No, it's okay. No, that's, that's the whole point is we just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, these are like questions I'm going to ask later, so I might as well get them out of the way, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of it, it, it kind of started with, yeah, that, that post of, you know, comparing. Of Sam's, yeah. Yeah, comparing ourselves. Um, anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like our tangents. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. That's, a, that's the whole point. Because otherwise, this would be like 20-minute podcast. Um, okay, so I just have like basic questions I ask everyone. I kind of switched them up for this one, though, because okay. I... So they're kind of stupid. I want something a little bit more in depth, but the one I do like to ask everyone and you don't have to answer it now. We can come back to it by the end of the podcast, but uh, just describe yourself in three words. Okay. I've been thinking about this a little bit because I knew that yeah. it was a question. Yeah. So then I'm like, Oh, but I don't want to, but I, but I also didn't want to like prepare and be like, I think I am one, two, three. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of thinking about it. Um, and I, asked a friend of mine as well and her words were like completely different from what my words were which i think everyone's probably funny i was like oh i don't think i'm any of those things (laughs) um i i think determined is a good one both professionally and personally like Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm very determined and almost bullheaded at times i guess um but determined's a good one um i think i would say empathetic, um, which helps because I'm a doctor, (laughs) but also, um, I was trying to think like, I, I try to be a really good friend and I try to, um, really put myself in somebody else's shoes before I say things or before I do things or, um, yeah, I think being empathetic is one of the qualities that I really like about myself. Um, and then my last one, Mm. I don't know. I think I'm kind of sassy a little bit. That's my, my redheaded Scorpio. I mean, I'm just getting out. to know you, but you're definitely sassy. <laughs> I think I'm sassy. Oh yeah. We're both Scorpios. Yeah. I love that. The, the redhead Scorpio thing going on. Yeah. Oh, a little bit. Hmm. Double header. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Susie Sassafras. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, given the choice of anyone in the world, living or dead, who would you want as a dinner guest and why? Mm. Oh, this is a hard one. A famous person? It could be anyone. Anyone? Okay. It could be your grandparent that passed away. Yeah. Can I think about that one? Yeah, we can go back to it. Okay. I'm going to think about it. Uh, For what in your life do you feel most grateful? Mm. My education. Yeah. I mean, besides, like, the obvious, like, friends, family. All those people. Yeah, but, that's implied. Yeah. Besides all <laughs> the people. Fine. Besides all the people that I love. Um, I yeah, I think my education. I think my parents um tried really hard to make sure that I got a really good education from high school on. And um I put myself through school and college, I put myself through ten years of college. Um and that's where the determination thing comes yeah, in. Um and it's it's I mean, it's given me everything that I have now and um it's taught me hard work and a lot of a lot of the traits that I'm proud of in myself I've gotten because of my education and I mean it's given me my career of yeah. helping people heal yeah so what what made you want to be a chiropractor um I didn't want to be a chiropractor from the beginning I think yeah. a lot of people who are chiropractors like I had this great experience and then I became a chiropractor yeah. <laughs> um I originally wanted to be a neurosurgeon um so I went to school I studied neurology I have degrees in neurobiology and neuroscience um, and I was towards the end where I needed to decide, like, do I want to go to med school? Do I want to do a different, do I want to go into research? Kind of, I was at that like weird transition area and I was working in a hospital. Um, and I was like, I think like 20, 21 and I hated going to the hospital every day. Like once I got there, I was fine. When I was dealing with patients, I was okay. But it's just like waking up and being like, Oh God, I have to drive to the hospital, like be in the hospital today. And so I was like, if I'm feeling like this now, and this is just like a part-time internship thing, I probably want to rethink yeah. my how decisions about like, like how many years down yeah, the line we've been to, like, doing it. Show day. up all the time. So um, I was also at the time working with the National Epileptic Foundation, and they do this thing every year where they take kids who have epilepsy and they take them to summer camp and just let them like be kids at summer camp, but they all have epilepsy, so they bring their whole medical team with them. And I had lifeguarding experience. And so a friend asked if I would come be the lifeguard for all these kids. And one of the kids had a chiropractor come with them. And I was like, well, that's really weird. Why would a chiropractor work with someone who has epilepsy? Like, isn't it just like popping backs and that's all you do? <laughs> um, and I had no, I had no idea. I'd never been to a chiropractor. I had never, I mean, I thought what like 90% of people think, which is like, oh, my back hurts. I'll go get it popped and then we'll be good. And so I started talking to this chiropractor and he started telling me about the correlation between the functioning of the nervous system and, and the positioning of the vertebrae and how it all connects. And having my neuroscience background, I was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Like why aren't more people talking about this? And it's, I think the profession as a whole has some issues to work out there with communication, but um, I was just really intrigued. And so I went and visited a school and I was still had a lot of questions and I still wasn't fully on board, but something just felt right about it. And so I moved to Texas like three weeks later and got 
canceled all my med school plans, all that no. stuff. And my dad had, who had had a bad experience with a chiropractor was like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and yeah, I moved to Texas and started chiropractic school and that was how that came about. Um, so it was kind of a weird roundabout way. Now you have way. your own office. And now, yeah, now I own my own practice. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a, a weird roundabout way that it came about, but I love it. And I wouldn't do anything different. Do you think, uh, how long have you had this practice? I've, is it pretty new? Um, the practice itself is older. So I bought this practice from somebody who was in practice for 30 years and was ready to retire. Yeah. So I've been the owner for three years. Um, and then we just rebranded. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so now it really feels like mine. Yeah. Um, and I just hired my first associate doctor. So I'm like, we're coming up in the world a little bit. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've been business owner, chiropractor for three years. Do you think, um, you know, through like working, you know, working your ass off to do this, mm -hmm. do you think it's, uh, is kind of what helped you get into climbing being like, Oh, I did that. I can, I can do this new thing. I actually think it was vice versa. I think climbing has really helped me. Like my business coach says to me all the time, like you climbed a mountain, you can do anything. Like yeah. I think, Climbing helped me with my confidence when I was feeling not confident in being a business owner because chiropractic school does not prepare you to be a business owner at all. As much as they say that they do, they don't. And so starting in practice, I had a little bit of a head start because I bought a practice, but it still didn't feel like mine. And I yeah. wanted to put my own spin on it. And, you know, I was kind of left to my own to try to figure it out. And and while still trying to get clinical competency, working with patients, con you know, constantly, like you work with patients in school, but it's different when it's your own. Um, and so I think climbing really helped me with the self-confidence when I was at the, the lows, like business ownership is a roller coaster. It's yeah. up and down constantly. And so when I was at like my lowest lows, I was able to be like, look, like when you were on at Mount hood at, you know, two in the morning at 9,000 feet and you wanted to go home, like, you kept pushing through and you did it. Like if you can do that, you can get through a slow week in the office. Yeah. Um, so I think it was the opposite. That's actually. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love hearing stories like that because obviously this, I, I want this podcast to be kind of a narrative of why we seek the outdoors, mm -hmm. and how it trend, like how that transcribes into our like real lives or quote unquote real lives. Yeah. You know, well, and I think like being, especially on a rock or a mountain, like, my, at so, there are some points where like my sole objective is like, okay, just put one foot there and like, make sure that you don't put your foot there just or live. like there's death. <laughs> yeah. And so like when life gets put into like very simple, like this is the only thing you need to do right in this mm -hmm. moment as someone who in my regular life is just flying a hundred percent all the time. I'm always either thinking about the office. I'm in the office. I'm in meetings. I'm all over the place. I have a million things going in my brain all at once. So being out on a mountain and just being like, okay, you have only one goal right now and it is to not die. Yeah. And also like enjoy the scenery and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but mostly really, not, die. but mostly not die. <laughs> it really narrows my focus nice enough that it just shuts everything else off. Um, which I love it. It's addicting to just have like just one thing that I'm doing. It's so it, it's amazing. Yeah. What being outside and like not think it like not thinking about work can do, even if it's just for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like being back in 
you know. Yeah, I'm sure you like, got that after the PCT. This, yeah, after, yeah, just being back in society, like, all I do all day is think about, like, oh, shit, I have to make money. Especially, like, working for myself now. I'm like, It's really hard to work for it. yourself. It is. It's, it's like, so hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard, too. Like, for me, what I'm finding is, like, I, I mean, obviously, I fucking love it. I hate I hated bartending by the time I left that job. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. I'm ready to hit some over the head with a bottle. Like, yeah. <laughs> I literally could I was, not handle it. I was anymore. a server for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, like you understand. You've been in this <laughs> yeah. industry. It's awful. People treat you like shit. And it, oh my God. And it's just like a drama fest, too. Yeah. But the, the, the hard thing about working for myself, especially in like a creative field, is like I have to constantly be my own cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and sometimes I feel. I, I don't want it to, to look disingenuous, mm-hmm. but I like, I do, I do have to make money. So I get really, it's, it's hard. Cause you know, especially now I have like outdoor companies and people like reaching out to me, be like, Hey, do a sponsored post for us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how much are you going to fucking pay me? Cause right. if you're offering a lot of money, I'm going to do it. Obviously, yeah. Cause I will give you likes. <laughs> Like, I can't pay my bills with likes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But it's just like, I, because like, I want, I always want my work to be genuine. Yeah. But it's, it's it's hard to turn things down when there's money involved. Oh, And I have. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, fuck, it'd be so nice to like have this money. (laughs) But it's, it's hard being your own cheerleader. It is. In, the, in this field is what I'm finding. And I'm like, God, I, maybe I shouldn't post today about like selling my book, but I'm like, fuck, I have to make money. Yeah. Like I, like I'm not making any other income than the photography, right? Now. Yeah. It is, it is hard to, to sell yourself. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it is. And any service profession or profession where like you are your product. Yeah. Um, so I feel you on that. And I'm super thankful. I have a really great um, group that I'm in. Um, like a, a business club that I'm in that a friend started and it's a really great place that I can just go in and be like, Hey, I did this thing today. Like let's celebrate or, Hey, I'm really sucking at this today. Can someone help me? Um, and so that's been really helpful for me just to have that. Um, yeah, it's really, I think there's over 500 people in it now and it's mostly Facebook and the, um, the main guy that runs it. Um, it's called the black diamond club and he, he does like a podcast every week and just, they do a couple of seminars too. And so having them and having just knowing that I can go to this group and have them be in my corner when I do need a cheerleader or when I do need someone to really help me has been like just super instrumental for my practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's nice to be, uh, around people that support you. Yeah. And like, I think that in the service professional, it's really hard to, um, I know in chiropractic school, they always talk to us about like service comes first and then money follows. And it's like, well, yes, but no, because I, I need money so that I can have a place to serve. Yeah. And so it becomes this really weird thing where like money is this black horse that nobody wants to talk about. And if you're making a lot of money, then you must be doing something shady. And if you're not making any money, then like you need to be working harder, but you can't show that you're making a lot of money. So it's this weird thing with service professionals and especially in chiropractic where they're just like, no, the, the loving service is first and then the money follows. And I'm like, that's true. But also I can't give from a cup that's not full. And if my money, if my money cup is not full, I can't, I can't serve more. So um, being in this group that really celebrates success and understands that money is a tool and not, um, you know, a tool for us to be able to serve more people and not just this thing. That's like this weird, shameful thing to have. 
Yeah. Um, so that's been trying to get my mind around like the shame and guilt that comes with money that people have built up from wherever is a hard thing to get up, out from underneath. The one that gets me is the like you have to spend money to make money, which is like very true. It seems for me right now, I'm always I'm like, okay, what's the next thing I have to buy so that I can like yeah get this project? Done? I know. I keep telling myself oh, instead it's of such like a pain in the ass. I keep thinking about it of like investments, right? Like I just yeah. did this huge rebrand, and it's a lot of money for things that aren't going to give me immediate gains. But like I've invested in a new logo and I invested in new furniture and, you know, I'm investing. That's what I keep telling yeah. myself. My student loans were investments, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it helps a little bit <laughs> to change the, yeah. change the conversation. I mean, like shit, these microphones alone were like 300 bucks, which isn't a shit ton of money, but still it's like, well, okay, well, I'm going to start yeah. a podcast. I can't half-ass it and, you know, just like record on my phone or something. Yeah. Well, I think like when you say yeah. like, I'm making this investment and I expect the universe to repay my investment. I hope so. <laughs> like that's kind of the attitude that I feel like I have to have about it. Of like, I, I understand yeah. that. And by... Even if it's not monetary, I hope like, I mean, I think what I'm gaining from this so far is like knowledge. Yeah. But just by exploring other people and like other people's minds and like how they see the world, you know, through the outdoors and like why they seek the outdoors and how they, you know, process certain things mm-hmm. and, um, almost, and then just like where you feel like you fit in, in like the outdoor industry. Yeah. I think it's important. You're having conversations with people who don't typically get the conversation. So, yeah. I mean, I think you're, and I, I'm also trying to, I, and the thing is too, is like, I'm also trying to include, uh, you know, people that I guess don't feel ostracized as well. Yeah. You know, like I think you it's have really to have important. Both sides of the conversation. I think, yeah, exactly. Um, I think everyone has something valuable to say. Um, and obviously, I am a little bit more particular when I am choosing people that are, you know, cis or white or mm-hmm. whatever, because I want you know, make sure they're like good. a woke person, good people, woke yeah, people. good peeps, yeah, a woke person, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be like knocking down any, you know, like Alex Honnolds or anything, because I'm like I would have nothing to say to them, like. A, I mean, yeah. what they do is impressive, but like, I'm never going to do that shit. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm never, never going to get their stupid those, ass. Those interviews rock. have been done by other people. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll let, we'll leave the elitists to the elitist podcasts and this for the, for the real peeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, uh, what terrifies you most? Oh man. We're still on this segment. <laughs> This will be the last one. Terrifies me most. Failure. No. Of any, of any, of all the failure. Um, Which means that I'm constantly needing to fail so that I get over it. (laughs) Because it's like, do the thing that scares you most. When's the last time you feel like you failed? Oh, God. Today. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, what? Like, name something. Um, no, I mean like big failure, I think is probably, I like, I, when's the last time you feel like you had a big failure, but you fixed it mm, or you learned from it? Um, oh gosh, I think I would probably say the, mm, the deal that I made with this practice that I bought, um, I was really naive and I made some decisions that I probably shouldn't have. And it just, it made me feel 
I mean, it got to the point that I was like, okay, I either need to like declare bankruptcy or turn this ship around. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's again, where my business coaches came in clutch for me there. Cause I called them like bawling on the floor. But, um, yeah, I would say that that's probably the, the biggest one of just feeling like a, a failure and, and taking something great like this practice and having it just not exist anymore because of decisions that I made. Um, that's probably my biggest one of late. Yeah. Of late. <laughs> we can make lists here. <laughs> uh, I, I really struggled when I first started climbing and I can kind of relate this around to the outdoors, but, um, in the beginning, I think all new climbers do this where it's all about the summit, right? Like we gotta, yeah. we gotta get to the summit. And if I didn't, I felt like a total failure. And there was many times that I like cried on the way down. Um, and it took me a while to realize that like, it isn't all about the summit. And it's hard because in climbing, when you tell someone like, Oh, I'm going to go climb hood. Usually the first question when you get back is like, Oh, did you summit? Like that's the first question. And I really want to change that narrative to be like, how was it? How was your climb? Did you yeah. enjoy it? Did you learn something? Like we automatically always go to how was the summit? How was, how was the trip? I'm sure like this happens on the PCT where it's like, if you don't finish, you know, people are like, Oh, the first question people ask, I think this is for any hiker though, yeah. that says, because I mean, the PCT is fucking huge. Right. So people say, Oh, what section did you do? I'm like the whole, the whole, the whole section. Thing, all of it. But yeah. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I, I don't know if you knew, I actually hiked like 900 miles in 17. Oh, yeah. I didn't even do the whole thing. Okay. I don't you think know, I knew that. I did like a third of it. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm sick of shitting in the woods. And then like two <laughs> months later, I was like, oh, damn, I really wish I would have finished that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, people like, I mean, the first year I obsessed about the end. Mm-hmm. I obsessed about getting to Canada. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my God, it's going to feel so good to get literally every day as I was walking and was still thousands of miles yeah, away. Like, I was oh, thinking yeah. of how will it feel to get to Canada. And then last year when I started, I was like, I'm not even fucking thinking about getting mm-hmm. to Canada. I'm just thinking about right now where I am. Hopefully I make it to the next town. Yeah. Or hopefully I like, you know, make it another hundred miles. Yeah. I was having so much fun. Yeah. And I was enjoying myself thoroughly. And I wasn't thinking about what was going to come after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my favorite climbs that I've done have been climbs where I'm not feeling pressure. Um, when I did Mount hood back in the spring, it wasn't, it wasn't planned. It was like a, Oh, the weather looks great on a Thursday. Like, let's go. And I was like, okay, I'll go with you guys and like, see how far I get. It wasn't like, I didn't feel pressured to get to the top. I didn't feel anything other than like, I just want to go see how far I can go. Like, just see what, see what happens. And that's when I summited. And so I really, I really, really struggled. I mean, even to the point that we would be at the gym, which is like supposed to be this like low pressure thing. I mean, it's the rock climbing gym. Yeah. And I would like cry if I didn't finish a route that I felt like I should be able to finish. Um, so I was putting so much pressure on myself in general. And that's kind of a theme of my life is I just put a ton of pressure on myself, but I finally stopped doing that. And it was like, if I don't finish, I don't finish. And when you're, when you're outside, I think oftentimes too, it's the safest thing is to know when you're done. Because if you try to push, especially if you're in the Alpine, if you try to push and you're not there physically, mentally, there have been times where like my body felt totally fine, but I just could not keep going. Like I just mentally was like, I'm done. I can't handle it anymore. And my body felt fine. 
Um, and then there have been times where I wanted to go and really push and my body was like, no, you're done now. Yeah. Um, Tired. Yeah. So <laughs> learning to get over that and recognize that just because you don't finish the route or get to the top doesn't mean you didn't do something awesome and fun that day. Totally. Yeah. I think we could all benefit from not like focusing on the end. Mm-hmm. Just being present yeah. where you are is really important. Yeah. That's something I learned last year, like hiking. It's yeah. It's like, it's so nice to just like zone out mm-hmm. and not think about literally anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why obsess about the end? Because then when it's over, you're like sad it's not happening. Yeah, anymore. and then it's over. No matter and, what you're doing, or you're outside. like, oh, what's the next thing? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, that's what I do. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> done that. What's the next one? I know that's how I am. I'm like, uh, <laughs> when can I like go on another big hike? Which is probably next year, but we'll talk about that later. When you take me on the PCT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, southbound, July first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. What uh, what got you into climbing? What like what inspired you? Um, I moved here from Texas, so I always wanted to live in Portland. I don't know why. I I'm a ginger. I hate the sun. I don't know. I just wanted to live somewhere cloudy and moody. Yeah. Um, and so I I always wanted to live here. And when I moved here, I didn't know anyone, and um, I just felt like it was something I wanted to do. I I grew up in California, and we grew up like car camping but not really we didn't go on a lot of a lot of hikes we would just go to like a lake and camp and so i didn't grow up hiking but i grew up going to beautiful places um we lived about an hour and a half from yosemite so we'd go camp there and we lived an hour and a half from the beach so we'd go there so i had spent some time in nature but hadn't really hiked at all and so when i moved out here it was just a way to meet people i joined like a meetup group And oh God meetup. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> That's scary. So I joined this meetup group and it was like a women's meetup group. Um, and my boyfriend at the time, I like wanted to make him feel comfortable with me hiking, which is like a stupid thing now. Um, but so I joined this women's group and they had this midnight climb of Mount St. Helens. And I had no idea that people could do that. And when I was little, I was obsessed with Mount St. Helens. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. Like someone brought me like some dirt from Mount St. Helens once. And I thought it was the coolest yeah. thing ever. <laughs> Um, and so I didn't really know that mountain climbing was a thing. I knew, you know, like people climb Everest and stuff, but I didn't know that you could like walk to the top of Mount St. Helens and that it wasn't a technical climb. Like you could just walk there. It's a little trail. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, but, um, but yeah, like, like you could just walk there and like that there wasn't any snow and stuff in the summertime. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this. And so I, I signed up for it. I had never done a mountain before the most hiking I had ever done was like, I did, um, I laugh at it now, but like I did the 10 mile hike of the trail of 10 falls down in central Oregon. What's it called? Trail of 10 falls. Oh, okay. Um, it's mostly flat and it's 10 miles, but it's a loop. Um, and it's a really nice paved trail. It's really pretty. Um, and so I did that and was like, Oh, well, Mount St. Helens is 10 miles. So like I could do that. That's the same. And I hadn't, no- <laughs> I had no like um, concept of elevation gain at all. And the summer route on St. Helens is about 5,000 feet of elevation gain in five or six miles. I think it's six miles. And so in my brain at the time, I was like, oh, if I can do this 10-mile hike of the Trail of Ten Falls, I can definitely do the 10-mile hike of Mount St. Helens. But I thought to myself, well, I should like 
probably lose some weight first because I was chubby and I was like, I should lose like 50 pounds and then I can climb St. Helens. And that was like my goal. Like when I lose 50 pounds, I'll climb down mm-hmm. St. Helens. I don't know why that's a thing. I think yeah. it's just like a big girl thing of like, when I lose this weight, I can do this then thing. I, yeah. Um, which is super toxic and terrible. Um, and so I lost the 50 pounds. I signed up to climb Mount St. Helens. I got on this climb. I showed up and the woman who was running it was like, Oh, like tell me what your experiences is. And I was like, I've done like angels rest and this other like trail. And she was like, that's it. And I was like, yeah, I've done like two or three hikes, but like I was a rugby player in college and I go to the gym pretty regularly. Like I'm pretty fit. And she was like, okay. (laughs) And so she took me and it was a midnight climb. So we started in the dark with 12 people. I didn't know. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Um, I made it to the top. I made it, I made it up there. Yeah. Yeah, We made it up for sunrise. Uh, It was like, I think seven hours that took us. And, um, there was a couple times where I thought that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And someone gave me some cheese and I was ready to go. <laughs> um, that's my mountain snack. Is seven hours to the top? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, I didn't realize it was that far. yeah, we were moving pretty slow because I was struggling. Um, most people in the summertime can, well, not most people, but like pretty fit mountain climbers can get there in like five hours or so. Oh, okay. My crazy fiance did it in three last oh summer God. and he's just too much how many miles me. is it to the top six but it's just steep yeah i think they just like mountain goaded up it i don't know yeah. um so yeah we did it in seven which is moving pretty slow but about average for someone yeah. who hasn't done it before most first timers take about that long if there's yeah. and then add more if there's snow um so that was kind of what got me into it. So I started, I did that. And then a month later we did South sister, which is like the two mountains that really don't need a ton of technical experience mm-hmm. to do. They're still not easy. And that's another one of my pet peeves is when people are like, Oh yeah, Mount St. Helens and Mount and South sister are super easy. Anyone can do it. I'm like, no, that's not true. It's a, it's a long, hard day. Yeah. Um, but you don't need technical experience. And so I did those two and then I knew I wanted to do more. And so someone was like, oh, you should take this beginner climbing course with the Mazamas, um, which is like the mountaineering organization here in Portland. And so I took their beginning climbing course, which is eight weeks long. um, And there's usually about a one-to-one student to assistant ratio in the class. And um, Andy, my fiance, who was not my fiance then we we just met but mm-hmm. he was an assistant in the class and so we met at the very beginning oh so you were still with your boyfriend um yes oh but scandal <laughs> there scandal, was a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh i was i was i was pretty unhappy we moved here together from oregon and it was either gonna kind of it was like our last ditch thing of like this is either gonna really yeah. fix our relationship or it's gonna end it and Um, once we got here, I realized that we were just on different paths. Like he's a great guy. And, um, you know, I ended up being the bad person in the relationship because I broke up with him and it turned into like, I I mean, I started dating. (laughs) How dare you do what's best for you? Yeah. I started dating Andy pretty, pretty soon after we broke up. Um, but I didn't, there was not an intention of like, I'm breaking up with you for him. It's I'm breaking up with you because we're going in different directions and I want to be happy and this isn't making me happy anymore. And we're just really different people. He wasn't into outdoors at all. Like, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's, he was a really good guy and um, it just didn't work out. And, but I did meet Andy in the class. And so, so it did work out. So it did <laughs> for me. It worked out great for, for me. Different. 
Um, we met and he was looking for a climbing partner and he had joined cause he went through a really bad breakup. And so he wanted to start using the outdoors to heal from that. And he grew up in Portland and had never been on a hike before like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met and just had a lot in common and started climbing together after class. Like we would go to the gym together cause it takes two to climb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was really funny. I remember asking him in the very beginning, like, Oh, have you like met anybody through the Mazamas? And he's like, no, that's not really why I'm doing it. Like I'm just doing it to like make friends and stuff. And so I was like, Oh great. We can be friends. And then, um, yeah, we started dating pretty soon after mm-hmm. I broke up with my ex-boyfriend. So we spent the summer going on trips together. Thank um, you. Next. Thank you. Next. <laughs> he put a ring on it. Holla. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's been two years now, and that's kind of what really got me into climbing is joining the Mazamas, finding a bunch of new climbing friends. Um, yeah, it's been good. And getting a dude out of it. Getting a dude out oh, of it. Got my sure. got my money's worth out of that registration fee. I should start climbing. No, I'm too, <laughs> too lazy for that. Uh, <laughs> maybe one day. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I remember when I first, found out who you are through the article you had just recently posted about um trying to get plus size gear at the local rock gyms yeah was it it was multiple gyms we don't have to we don't have to say names obviously um but you was it multiple gyms you were trying yeah were you just seeing who was gonna say yes first or no kind of so there's two major rock climbing gyms in portland And this all started because Sam Ortiz started doing some plus size climbing groups in Tacoma and her gym was like really receptive. She was like, Hey, listen, I want to do these groups, but you don't have harnesses that will fit anyone that's above like a two X. And that's kind of like a small two X as well. Um, and so she found a harness and was like, had this great proposal. Like here's how many gyms or here's how many harnesses you need to buy. Here's how much they cost. This is how many classes I need to hold in order for you to make your investment back. And her gym was like, yes, let's do it. They got the harnesses. She started doing the classes and there was this huge um, turnout for it and people were really loving it. And and so I was like, hey, like I'm climbing in Portland. Why don't we try to do something down here? And people were commenting on her posts like, hey, let me know when this happens in Portland. And so I I sent the same letter to, to the gyms and I met another climber. Um, so I climb at one of the gyms and she climbs at the other. And so we kind of tried to tag team the gyms so that we didn't have to try to, you know, be members at both, which can get really expensive. Um, and so she reached out to her gym. I reached out to my gym and her gym was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Let's, let's get on board with it. And my gym, um, was like, well, um, and so they, at first they were on board and then I sent them the harness that I wanted to choose and, they were like, well, this won't really work for larger men. And I was like, okay, well, great. I'm not holding the class for men. I'm holding it for women. And like, well, we want to make sure that we can include everybody. And I was like, okay, sure. I get that. Um, but their reasoning that they didn't want to get the harnesses that I suggested was because they weren't climbing specific. They want, and they had an, they had a agreement with Petzl. And so they're like, we have a wholesale agreement with Petzl. We want to get this Petzl harness. But the Petzl harnesses only go up to 47 inches. Um, and I needed harnesses to go up to 57 inches to at least accommodate up to like 4X. So 47 inches is like a size 14, maybe a size 16. Um, mm-hmm. What what size is like actually considered plus size? Uh, people vary on this, but 
about 14, 16 would be like a one X. So I'm a two X. I'm a size 18. Um, it definitely depends on the brand. Like, I mean, there's things that are one X that I can wear. There are things that are four X that I can wear. So women's clothing has like issues of their own to work through, but in general, consistency, it sounds like, (laughs) um, in general, a 47 inch harness will fit about a two, one to two X person. Um, and so 57 inches will give us up to like a three, four X depending on the shape too, because their, their comment about like, well, we want it to fit men. Like men have narrower hips than women. And so a a harness that fits a man might not fit a woman who's technically the same size just because of their shape. Um, and so I kind of brought all those things up and then they're like, well, the harnesses that you picked out aren't climbing specific, so they're not going to be padded. And I was like, well, plus size people aren't really worried about padding if they're, you know, plus size, like we have padding, we're good. But mm-hmm. if they can't fit, then it doesn't matter how padded it is. And then they wanted to get a harness that was like a four point harness. So you have to put it over your shoulders and your waist um, because they were, they said that they were worried about people inverting, which is like turning upside down. But I was like, here's the deal. If I hold this class to get people into climbing and then you show up to the class and now you have to wear a special harness because you're bigger, like that's embarrassing. I don't want to have to put on a special fat girl harness. That's super embarrassing. Yeah. And their reasoning was like, oh, it's for safety. And I was like, well, climbers, the the probability of you inverting, turning upside down on a low grade top rope. So you're connected to the rope from the top is incredibly low like it's almost non-existent and they were like oh yeah that's that's true but we want we just feel like that's the manufacturer recommendation so then they were going to get harnesses that you could make their like uh they would special order them so they would be four points if you wanted or you could take the shoulder part off and then it would just be the regular waist harness um it was getting really expensive and so they were like listen we'll buy half if you buy half um and so i was like well all right, sure. I'll buy half and then I'll have six harnesses that I can go do whatever I want with. And then they backed out of that. So we're still working on it. I was able, their, their thing after that was like, they wanted the harness to have a belay loop, um, so that people could belay on it. But most rental harnesses, What's a bu- I, do, I don't know. Climbing. Stuff. Um, <laughs> so a belayer is the person that's like holding the rope for you and feeding oh, the rope. Okay. And so you have to connect it to a loop on your harness to be gotcha. able to do that. But the thing with most rental harnesses is most people renting harnesses don't need to belay because they haven't learned and they're just there to try to like see if they like the sport. So it doesn't make a ton of sense that you would need a belay loop on a rental harness. Um, but it was what they wanted. So I found a company that had all of their specifications. They were supposed to order them and get back to me last week. And they said they're still waiting on some stuff, but I still have to buy half. So I'm still buying six harnesses. Um, and they're buying the other six. So they've been better about it. And I think, I don't think that they're trying to, to beat around the bush or like not be helpful. I think it's just the way the system is that you're, I'm trying to break through. Um, nobody else has had issues. I'm the only one that's had issues with this one gym, um, which has been frustrating because it's like where I learned to climb. It's where I fell in love with Andy. Like it's really important to me. And I really love this gym and, I feel like, and I told him this too. I was like, this, this is why I want to work with you guys. And if I was anybody else, I probably would have walked away from this conversation already. Um, And so I think it's hard when you just are used to a system. And as a business owner too, 
Like I get it. If your business is doing fine, what's the point of going out and spending more money yeah. if you don't really need the and business? And also changing your demographic. Yeah. You know, like everyone should be should feel welcome yeah, in that and space. I, and I told them like I feel like my dollars are not as important to you as someone who's thinner's dollars yeah. because you're not and you're spending the I mean and now you're spending more money by buying those six harnesses, which uh, harnesses are probably fucking expensive. Yeah, I mean, they're a little bit cheaper when you're buying in bulk, which is, I was like, I'm fine to buy, to help, to yeah. help I mean, the it's, order it's the by principle, though, that, like, you're still buying, you're still, like, buying yeah. for this company when they should be like, yeah, of course, like, yeah. you're going to have, a like, a plus-size climbing group come in? Sweet. Yeah. Well, and yeah, all well, the other gyms, how many do you need? Yeah, and all the other gyms are like that, and all the other gyms have have seen the value and also have seen the numbers. I mean, Sam has had, I think she said she is, has introduced 33 people to this gym. That's which is like a lot. That's yeah. It's crazy how, how much like, and I think this conversation came up too on one of the pictures that you posted of me where someone, the one I just posted. Yeah. The one that that you just posted where the, the, there was a guy that commented like, it's an, it's an economic thing, you know? Well, I had, so yeah, what what she's speaking of is, so I posted, I'm going to open it real quick. I posted a photo, this beautiful photo I took of Megan, um, when we were hanging out, um, on the PCT and let me see the quote I had written. Um, cause well, so after that day, we, we, or the next day, me and Kelly were driving home from that trip and we're like, Oh, we love Megan. She's so awesome. Um, don't let it go to your head. Uh, <laughs> it was, <yeah. laughs> it's already there. Widen the door. But we were saying like, it was, it was so interesting to hear you speak about all this. Cause we realized, well, wow, there's like kind of privilege that exists out of just being thin. There's, mm-hmm. and it's something that me and her have never thought of because we're small people. Yeah. But like, and so I had written in the captioning, um, let's see. Uh, listening to her talk about the frustrations of finding appropriately sized and comfortable equipment at local gyms just reiterates how much privilege exists in outdoor culture, even when it comes to size, which made someone comment, uh, maybe it's not privilege in quotes. Maybe it's because the vast majority of climbers aren't plus size in quotes. Therefore, there's not much of a market for said climbers. But then you came back and was like, my drop. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a chicken before the egg thing. Like, And I've had this conversation with Andy, my fiance, who is a thin man. And and he's also Vietnamese. Vietnamese, okay. Yeah, yeah. so he is a thin, fit Asian man. And um, so, and we've had this conversation back and forth a couple times of like, does the gear not exist because the demographic doesn't exist or does the demographic not exist because the gear doesn't exist? And I think Sam and I are starting to show and other, other gear companies are getting on board. Other clothing companies are getting on board and showing that the argument that the demographic just doesn't exist. So therefore we don't make the thing is not true at all. There are people that want to do outdoor activities that just don't because there's no gear or the clothing isn't there which in turn makes them feel unwelcome. Yeah. Like they're not wanted. Yeah. And when you turn it into an economic discussion, it's saying that their dollars don't mean as much as a straight sized person's dollars. And, um, and it's a struggle. And I think clothing brands too, are really starting to get on board with it with, you know, we've seen REI in Columbia and a couple other brands are starting to really see that like, Oh, if we actually do make clothes for people, 
then they'll feel welcome and important and they'll feel like this thing is for them because the clothing exists. Um, so it's definitely a chicken before the egg, but I think that it's starting to starting to see that it is people buy with their emotion and if they feel welcome, they're going to spend their money there. Yeah. Well, it's also like you support businesses that support you. Right. Yeah. I'm happy to spend my chubby dollars wherever people have things for me that fit. Um, and I think yeah. as plus size women too, it's talk to anybody who <laughs> is a, a larger person, a larger woman, they're getting all their gear from the men's section. Like an extra large in men should be an extra large in women's and it's not, um, it's incredibly different. Um, so all of my gear is men's gear. I don't think I own anything from, I don't even go to the, the female section anymore. I just yeah. go straight to the men's section, which is like, we're shaped differently. So I'm going to get something that's an extra large in men's and it's just going to make me look like a box. Um, yeah. So they're finally starting to get somewhere with it. Just slow. Yeah. But what's cool about like people like you and Ashley and Sam Ortiz or like being loud about it inspires other people to be loud about it. Mm -hmm. And therefore you're going to like you inflict change just by, by Mm -hmm. saying something. And even if, you know, these gyms decide like, no, we don't, we don't want to buy these or we don't want to, you know, we don't want to support you. Mm -hmm. You're still putting that in their head. Mm hmm. And then eventually you're, I don't know, eventually you're going to get, you're going to get a gym that will. And then that inspires more people to come. Yeah. And I think eventually the gyms that will, will, you know, either force the gyms that won't to get on board or get out, you know, they're going to have their own thing and that'll be fine. I really would like it to be a thing where someone of any size can go into a rock climbing gym and there's a harness that fits and it's not a special fat kid harness and it's not, um, you know, something different than a regular harness. Yeah. Have you had any, um, at any of the climbing gyms, you don't, again, we don't have to say names, but, uh, have you had, I think you've mentioned too, like kind of like backhand handed compliments and mm, stuff mm-hmm. like that, but you, have you had any like very specific, um, I guess, uh, experiences with maybe like smaller client, you know, like more fit climbers, quote unquote, Um, I've definitely had people say like, oh, you don't look like a rock climber. If I've been like that, people ask me like, what's your, what's your hobby? I'm like, oh, I'm a rock climber. I'm like, oh, you don't look like a rock climber. That's such a weird thing to say. It's like, what does a rock climber look like? Yeah. And that's, I think, I think that's what we're, we're challenging is like, what does a rock climber look like? What does a mountain climber look like? It doesn't look like what you think it looks like and it doesn't, it shouldn't, and it shouldn't have to. Um, when I've been outside in general, Not really. I haven't had anything that's like really stuck out in my mind. Um, I tend to brush a lot of things off though. So that doesn't mean that's not there. Yeah, yeah, no, not really. I think I definitely get backhanded things like, oh, good for you. I'm like, well, good for you. We're on the same thing. We're doing the same stuff. (laughs) Like, good for me, good for you. Um, I've had someone who would not belay me because they thought I was too big. Um, which is a real thing when it comes to blame. There is weight difference that you have to take into account. And so I've had, it was a smaller girl and she was like, I just don't feel comfortable belaying someone that big. Um, which is fair. Doesn't mean it hurt any less, but yeah. it was definitely like, Oh, okay, well fine. Um, I've had someone drop me and blame me. 
um, they dropped me off the wall and they're like, oh, well, you were just bigger than me. And I was like, well, I'm a hundred pounds heavier than my fiance and he can belay me just fine yeah. in a controlled fashion. <laughs> so telling me that it's my body and that I'm too big is the reason why you dropped me is not an appropriate uh, response. So those are the only things that... Usually sorry is what... Yeah, like, I'm so sorry. I've had other people drop me a little bit that have been really apologetic, but this one person was just like, well, you're just too big. And I was like, well, I'm not too big most of the time. Yeah. So, um, so I think, and that's just recognizing those weight differences and what you can do um, is is something that you can do to avoid that. But for the most part, people are generally okay. I haven't had any, like, really attacks or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think like Ashley, I had a couple comments after the article came out, um, that were like, you know, you're fat and lazy, but other than that, yeah. Which is like, why am I in this outdoor article? <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, why are you glorifying fat people? And I was like, I'm not glorifying fat people. I'm just being like, Hey, listen, you can be fat and do whatever you want and you don't have to feel bad about it. You don't have to feel this like guilt shame cycle that we already feel as bigger people. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, there's tons, exactly, it's just, it gets, comes to the argument where, like, it's not about this, your size, like, how healthy you are. Yeah. Because I know people that are, like, my size, and, like, mm, kind of unhealthy with. Yeah, well, and that always makes me laugh. And yeah, I mean, I've, and- I've had, I had an Instagram post about this, where, like, I had someone tell me, like, your fat therefore you're unhealthy. And I was like, and he was like, I'm no doctor, but like having extra weight on your body just means your joints are going to break down. And I was like, funny, you should say that because I am a doctor. Not only that, I'm a chiropractor. So like, I know things about joints. I know lots of things about joints. And that's not, no, that's not true. I've always been a bigger person. My body has always been larger. Therefore it has adapted to where I'm at. Like maybe if I was really small and gained a lot of weight in a short amount of time that's going to put more pressure on my joints than it's used to, but your body will still adapt to that over time. So, and you know, there are other ways to measure how healthy you are that have nothing to do with how big you are. Um, And I think that that's proven time and time again, when we see people of all sizes having issues with cholesterol, with blood pressure, with heart rate, like all the things that they say that you're going to get when you're fat We've seen that just as much in thinner people. Um, we see diabetes in thinner people, but yet every time I go to the doctor, they want to check me for it. Um, so I think that we just need to, ha- as a as a culture, we need to recognize that there are measures of health that have nothing to do with your size. And yeah. that's what I love about being a chiropractor is that I can have those conversations with people when they come in and they say, oh, my back hurts because I'm fat. I'm like, no, I'm considered morbidly obese and my back feels great. So let's talk about how we can function better, not how we can reduce the number on the scale to fix all your problems. Yeah. It, were you, were you made fun of a lot as a kid? Yes. Yeah. I was like probably from when, like what time did from it start? I, from when I got out of the womb. Um, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I've always been teased for being chubby. Um, I was also, uh, I had a, gap in my teeth and I had like big frizzy curly hair that you know my mom didn't know what to do with she has like stick straight thin hair and so I have this like big curly mane and um and I had freckles and a gap in my teeth and I was nerdy and I all of the stereotypes um and I was chubby and um so yeah I got teased a lot um 
when I was little. And I was also really shy, um, which I think would surprise people now because I'm not now, but I think I was a classic, like I was born an introvert and learned that to get ahead, you needed to be extroverted. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a really great book, I think called quiet that talks about that of like how we, and especially in American society, how we reward people for being extroverted, for being the one that asks the questions for being, I mean, we start that one when they're, when they're kids in school. Um, and so a lot of introverted people kind of learn how to be extroverted to get ahead. Oh, that's exactly me. Yeah. I was, I was such an introvert until I came out when I was 16. And then I was like, I don't give a fuck because <laughs> yeah. you know I'm gay. Yeah, like I, I don't think... have to care what you bitches think yeah, anymore. I but think... I was really quiet. I was very, like, it's really hard for people to believe that. Yeah, I was, like, I was too. I loved reading and um, just kind of being my little nerdy self. Um, and I got I got teased a lot. I remember like being little and wearing shorts, and people were making fun of me for my thighs touching. And so like I'm in like third grade crying because my thighs are touching. Like that's how it's how so fucked up. That's how young we're third, like. Yeah, yeah, I mean. It's it's crazy, and so I was definitely teased a lot. Yeah, did that ever spark? Um, did that ever spark like eating disorders or like dude, the way you ate or? No, not for me. Um, I mean, I think I definitely had a a toxic relationship with food, but I mm-hmm. and it's funny because now like there's all this attention being given to this new like Weight Watchers app for kids. And a lot of people are wait, coming wait, out. Wait, wait, yeah. Wait, back up. Yeah. There's, wait, 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 it's it's wait, a thing. So Weight Watchers is coming out with this app that's supposed to be for kids that are like from 8 to 18 or whatever. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but you can find it on the internet. It's been passing around all of my like po- body positive big girl Instagrams because we're all pissed um, because a ton of us were put on diets by our parents. A ton of us were developed a really weird toxic relationship with food and we were taught what foods were good and what foods were bad and you know we were were taught that like you can't have certain foods until you've exercised a certain amount per day or whatever it is and so now that they're coming out with this app for kids it really sparks some stuff in me because I mean my mom bless her heart was very very thin before she had me she had me and she was like a size zero and she went to like a size like six Um, and so she constantly talked about how ugly her body was. And I was like a size six when I was like 10, (laughs) especially like, I mean, like your mom, like you obviously look up to her. Yeah. And so my mom started taking me and her to a gym when we were, when I was younger, we would go to like the Jenny Craig gym or whatever. And then like I did all of the diets with her, just me and her. And I have two sisters and my dad and like, they weren't on the diets, but like me and my mom were. And so I remember when I was younger, my mom had me and her on Atkins. I think I was like 11. Then were your sisters no, thin? No, my sisters my sisters are thin, yeah. No, oh, okay. Um, both my sisters were really thin. They are like spitting images of my mom, and then I'm just this like burly, redheaded stepchild. <laughs> but not stepchild. Oh, is that your stepchild? No, I'm not a stepchild, but this is a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was I was definitely the outlier, and, and so I remember we were both on Atkins and I think I was like 10 or 11 and I was so hungry. And so my dad would sneak me bowls of cornflakes when my mom was in the shower. <laughs> like that shouldn't be a thing yeah. for someone who's eight. And, and I know like a lot of it was my mom dealing with her own body image things, but it was getting projected onto her chubby child and Absolutely. she didn't know what to do. And so um, that was hard to get over. And I, and I, I recognize that like a lot of the, the, 
feelings that I had about being overweight and a lot of my relationship with food came from those early years of, yeah. of being on diets when I was 10 and 11. And, um, when really it's like probably, you know, I mean, partially cause your parents want like naturally want to protect their children yeah, they, and you don't want you to get made fun of, but right. And they want the best for you and they want you and still very much the, the narrative is thin is healthy and, yeah. and fit is healthy. And so like they, they put me in swimming and I was a swimmer for 14 years, but I was still chubby. Like, you know, I, like I've been active my whole life. Um, and I just have always, I've, I've yo-yoed a lot because I've done a lot of yo-yo dieting. So I've gone from being, but even at my thinnest, I was still like, I think the thinnest I've ever been was maybe like two fifteen, and I'm five ten. Um, so I think that's probably the thinnest I've ever been. And even that is considered obese for my height. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that it's hard for parents for sure. Like they want the best for their children and they want, um, they want their kids to be seen as healthy and not teased. And yeah. I think my parents saw me getting teased and it, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. So, I remember when I, so my parents were probably the first people I told, I think they were the first people I told I was gay. And then uh, obviously very well received. I come, I don't come from any like religious background, so mm-hmm. there was no bias there. Um but I remember my mom saying, maybe you should wait to tell people. Like, yeah. Don't tell anyone. I was like, I'm fucking telling everyone. Like, yeah. I'm just so sick of, I'm just, I was just so sick of like hiding and yeah. like pretending. And it's just like, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I was like, pl- plus I probably wasn't doing a good job anyway. Like <laughs> kids tease me all the time for being gay. Even though tease I you for something anything. different. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was, yeah, exactly. It was just like, it was like, oh no, I'm tired. What's the worst that's gonna happen? Someone kills me, and I won't care. I'll be dead. Oh, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just joking. Oh, Let's fuck that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I, but I think yeah, as parents, like naturally, like you want to protect your child, but uh, yeah, which is why this new like Weight Watchers app for kids yeah. is so scary because yeah. parents are gonna want to do it because totally. they want to protect. And their it must children. be so confusing for a child to not only get made fun of at school, but then like you know the people you feel safest with telling you like you should be thinner mm-hmm. like i don't know that's why it comes back to like it's it, it's like it's such a sensitive thing to have our bodies commented on yeah i mean like i don't even like i mean even when it comes to uh like sex like i don't like someone being like oh i like your like chest hair i'm like i just don't want you yeah. like commenting Right. Or like for, for plus size women, it's that you're thick. it's like, that just means I'm fat and you like it. Like, Oh damn girl, you thick. I'm like, "Mm." yeah. Oh, it makes me like clench. Like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely gotten comments like that where it's like, Oh, like you're sexy and curvy and I love it. And I'm like, Oh, stop talking about my body that way. Thank you. But it's just like, you just like, just call me sexy. Yeah. Like you don't have to say that it's related to anything with the shape of my body. Yeah. I mean, we all have preferences, but it doesn't, it's, need, to be, it's it doesn't like, need to be vocalized in the way that it yeah. is. It's kind of like being like being five four. Like I th- feel like a lot of guys my height, like you know, like really tall men, mm-hmm. and like a lot of like I'll get like t- tall dudes that really like me because I'm short. Be like, oh, I like it because you're so short. I'm like, you don't have to like tell me that. Yeah. Like I know I'm short. Okay, let's just get over. <laughs> I want you to like me because I'm like you think I'm handsome and yeah. you think I'm funny. Right. I'm like, like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. Like, I want you to like me because I'm witty and smart and all of these other things that have nothing to do with my shape. Yeah, <laughs> Thank absolutely. you. Can we move yeah, on from thanks. that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm sick of talking about it. Can we move on from that? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
when was when do you feel like you got to a point when you were ready to just like accept yourself like you were just like you know what it's too much work to give a fuck what people think and I know it's like an ongoing struggle I feel it like is. you know like yeah. I, mean, I, I mean I even feel this, this the same way about like being gay and being short like mm-hmm. there's days where I'm like I don't give a fuck and there's days where I'm like oh like I yeah. dwell on certain things you know but, yeah I mean I feel like it wasn't until recently and probably when I started climbing. And I think yeah. the first year that I was climbing, I already talked about like how hard that was just figuring out that like, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling when you're feeling it. Um, but then seeing, seeing other people like Jenny, like Sam, you know, all these other people that I've looked up to just be themselves and live in their body and be okay with it was a really big turning point for me. And I think that's when we get into those conversations of representation, like why is it important for you to see someone that looks like you doing the things you want to do? And it's because it gives you that confidence to be like, Oh yeah, they look like me and they're doing it. So that means I can do it and I can feel okay about it instead of feeling like I'm constantly fighting this uphill battle with myself and my body. Um, so I think in this probably within this last year is when I really felt like being okay with, where I'm at and, and understanding that when I'm okay with my, with my body, no matter where it's at, if it's going up and down, I mean, my weight goes up and down depending on what day it is. It's just like, as a woman, I mean, we have to deal with that because of our hormones and because of all sorts of other things. Like our bodies are constantly changing and now I'm 30. So that's coming into it. And yeah. So I think just this, buckle up. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like just when we start to feel okay with it, something else changes. Um, so I think yeah, this last year and really also finding um, a partner who's been really supportive of of that. And Andy is is really great at just like letting me be a hot mess and supporting me through it. Um, so feeling supported, I think, is what really helped me come to terms with who I am, what I look like. And that I have so much more to offer the world than just what my body looks like. Um, and so that I think has been the biggest change in my life in the last like year, year and a half. It's just f- surrounding myself with other people that know my struggle, that mm-hmm. know what I'm going through, that are out loud about who they are as well. Um, has been huge. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, let's see. Sorry. Didn't look at the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you want? Excuse me. Uh, What would you want? We can even maybe even talk more specifically to climbing, but uh, what do you want people uh, who are not considered plus size or don't consider themselves plus size. Cause I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. Right. Yeah. Size, I think but... in climbing too, people are like, I had someone ask me, what does plus size? Do you mean rock climbing plus size or normal plus size? Because in rock climbing, like this person in particular was like, I've gained a couple pounds. So like in rock climbing, I would be considered plus size, but in normal life I wouldn't. And it was like an old guy who was wondering if he was the right person for our climbing group. <laughs> it's oh. like, you're probably not, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so, like, what does plus size mean, basically? Uh, but yeah. Yeah, what What do you want people who, yeah, aren't considered plus size mm-hmm. to know about plus size climbers or outdoor community? 
being like being a plus size person in the outdoor community? I think I just want people to stop commenting about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, I think we deal with our own struggles about our, and I think everybody, even people who are not considered plus size struggle with body acceptance of I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough or I'm too much of this or too much of that. And so those same issues that you're having with your body, like plus size people also have, except that the world comments on it. So, um, I think like stop telling people like good for them or giving unsolicited advice and you know, all the like human decency things that, back to the golden rule. <laughs> Don't say something that you wouldn't want someone to say to you. Yeah. Um, I think is, is a biggest thing. I think when people see plus size people out in the wild, they tend to think that they need help. Um, I've gotten a lot of unsolicited help. I think also as a woman, that's a thing too. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they tend to think like this is our first time hiking. So they need to give advice on our gear or on our whatever, um, when you're like, it's literally just walking. Yeah. When I'm like, I'm just walking outside. I've been doing it for three years. That's what's so fine. funny about through hiking is like, we're literally just walking. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten people t- telling me, I've had people tell me like, you did the whole thing. Like, oh, that's crazy. And I was like, why is that crazy? Because I'm short. Like, people have literally yeah. said, it's amazing that I've walked that far because I'm short. I'm like, there's tons of women that complete every year that are like my size yeah. or smaller. Right. I, think, I just took more steps. Yeah. I think to recognizing that someone who is, this is especially um, for mountain climbing, mm-hmm. um, recognizing that someone who is plus size is already carrying a lot more weight than you are. Um, so, um, and that took me a long time to get okay, be okay with yeah. because I felt like I had to carry all of like the same amount of weight in my backpack as my fiance did. And when he would see me struggling, he would offer to, take like my sleeping bag or my water or whatever it is, like take stuff out of my pack. And this is a thing that when you hike in groups, like people offer to you. And as a plus size person, I automatically thought that like, Oh, I'm not carrying my own weight because I'm the fat girl and I can't. And it finally took someone being like, you have already started with a hundred pounds more on your body than I have. So like, let me take your five pound, whatever out of your pack and be okay with that. Because sometimes it is just removing a couple of items from your backpack and so if you are a straight size person with a plus size person that's struggling and they don't want to give you up their stuff, like I think being able to say like, Hey, like you're already starting with more weight than I am, but in a way that's not judgmental and just, yeah. you know, can I just carry some of your stuff? Because that's what a good teammate does. And yeah, if I was, absolutely. and if like, if Andy was struggling, I would have no problem taking some of his weight. And so for me to have problems with him taking some of my weight just goes back into that shame and guilt cycle of like, I'm not enough. When he's, he's just, when they're, they're just supporting you. Yeah, they're, they're not just, trying to yeah. poke fun at you or make, yeah, you feel, yeah exactly. I think it's really hard to get out of the mindset because that's defense mechanisms that we come up with of like, I have to automatically shut people out and enter into this shame and guilt cycle because if they're offering to help me, then they obviously are making fun of me because that was the truth when I was younger it's not my truth now. Yeah. Um, and so understand that like all the things that someone could say about us, we already say about ourselves. So if you just be supportive, I think is the best, the best thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I, I obviously know, already know the answer, but I kind of like elaborating <laughs> on this. Uh, so I just have to ask it, but, uh, 
I mean, the question is, do you think men have it easier when they are overweight? Yes. And why do you think that is? I think it's more accepted for men to be overweight. And I think we we glorify overweight male athletes. I mean, like linebackers, no one asks about their health. They just accept that they're overweight and they're an asset to their team yeah. because of their size. Um, you know, and I think that's why I fell in love with being a rugby player because I was an asset to my team because of my size. Um, I think rugby is an amazing sport for people of all sizes. Um, but I think as, as men, I'm, and I'm sure like they struggle too. I mean, my, my ex-boyfriend was overweight Mm -hmm. and, um, we would diet together. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think that he definitely had some self-confidence issues when it came to his weight, but at the same time he did have an easier time at it. He had clothes that could fit him. You can go to a big and tall store for men, but they don't have them for women. Um, and I can't imagine that if they had a big and tall store and it was called big and tall, that women would go to it. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? They'd be like, fuck this. <laughs> but it's a lot easier for men to find clothes than their size when they're bigger. And you see a lot more plus size men or, you know, larger men in pop culture, whether it's an actor or a sports person, um, you just see it a lot more. And so, I do think, yeah, men men have it easier mm-hmm. um, because we've allowed it to be so. Like, I think it's it's funny now, like, when you see, you know, new, like, actresses that are plus size, like, I think, you know, there's not very many. The, the fat girl is always the sidekick in shows and TVs, and it's starting to change with, like, A.D. Bryant's yeah, doing I Shrill. Her. I love her. Um, so and, like, cute. Rebel Wilson, you know. And, oh, my. Okay, um, Rebel Wilson is, like, my favorite fucking person <laughs> yeah. ever. So I think it's it's starting to change a little bit, but I you don't see that with men as much. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Yeah, answer. you don't you don't see men's weight getting commented on as much as women. Yeah, and like with dieting culture too, it's always the before and afters are usually women. Um I mean there are some men ones and I think men those ads are geared more towards like getting fit and like getting, getting gains and getting muscles and the women's. Yeah. And the women's (laughs) ads are always like lose fat from those troubled areas. Um, so, um, I think that the way that we advertise to plus size men and plus size women is a lot different as well. Yeah. So something that I've been guilty of in front of my friends who are plus size, I've, definitely have like complained about my own weight mm-hmm. in front of like someone that's like oh, way yeah. larger than me. Yeah. I've totally been that person. Yeah. I mean, cause I, we all have, I yeah. mean, I have as a plus size person, I've been like, Oh, I feel really fat today. Or like, Oh, I'm having a skinny day. Yeah. It's a thing. What's yeah. what, what's your opinion on that? Like, I mean, I, I feel like everyone's, you know, opinion of themselves is, I don't want to say valid because, but, uh, we all, we all have our own insecurities totally. about our bodies, whether you have a six pack or not, right. you know? Uh, but does that irk you when someone that's smaller than you says that in front of you? It does. Like when someone's like complaining about their weight and you're like, shut the fuck up. Yes and no. Um, I think, I think it's different if someone's like, Oh, like I'm, you know, feeling this way today 
Um, I think what irks me the most is when, um, like, for example, we were climbing right after we did trail magic with you, we went and climbed oh, French's mm-hmm. dome and the people next to us, um, one guy was belaying another guy and he asked something, I think it was about like using a ground anchor or something like that. And the guy was like, I'm not that fat man. And it was like that kind of stuff of like being like, I'm not that fat or like, you think I'm like really big or something like that. That, that kind of stuff is what irks me more. And I was like standing right next to them using a ground anchor because <laughs> you use ground anchors when there's big weight discrepancies. So I think when it's said like that is mm-hmm. more annoying to me than, than if someone's saying like, Oh, I'm feeling fat today. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't love it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, but I definitely think that we all have, have days like that where you're just feeling really blah about your body and it's okay to voice that. But yeah, I think saying the stereotypes, right. Of like, I'm not that fat or like, you know, I'm as hungry as a fat girl eating cupcakes, like whatever it is, the little like stereotypes that exist out there. I think using those needs to go away, but absolutely. Yeah. But I think, I think it's okay and valid to feel a certain way about your body and just like feel it. But that doesn't mean you have to like voice it out loud to a bunch of people too. I think what it all comes back to, like we even started at the very beginning of this podcast, it all comes back to comparison. Yeah. Do I think we, yeah, we definitely feel the way we feel because of we're always comparing ourselves to someone else, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, our abilities and the outdoorsy thing we do or like, you know, what our body looks like next to someone else's. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah, I do that constantly. Yeah. And I think I, I mean, I, I definitely do it too. And it's gotten, um, it takes a lot of energy. It does. It takes a lot, it takes a lot of energy. It's like worrying about money. I'm like, fuck, I wish I could just have like a day where I like, don't think about this. <laughs> go outside. <laughs> I know. No, exactly. I know. I need to go Things are free again. out there. I didn't think about that shit when I was hiking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think too, like the way that you present yourself, like I've posted a couple times about like not wanting to post a picture because I was worried about like my arm fat or my rolls from my sports bra or my thighs touching and whatever it is. And just recognizing that like, I still like this photo, even though there are things that I can pick out about it that are considered negative. Um, and those tend to be like really good photos. So yeah, just being okay with being uncomfortable with the way something looks and still posting it anyways, or still recognizing, recognizing that I'm not okay with it. And why, like, am I not okay with this? Because I think that I've been told that I shouldn't have big arms. So therefore I feel that way. And I've been doing a lot more of that this year of being like, why do I feel this way? Why, why do I feel uncomfortable with this? And it's usually the answer is because someone else has told me that I should feel that way yeah, and not because I actually feel that way. So working through that stuff has been a new thing for me this year. One thing I like to ask every guest and I guess it's, uh, is, um, how do you think and, and especially as a white person, I like asking this, too, um, is how do you think we can help diversify the outdoors? Like, how do you, how do we start to make others feel welcome in whatever activity it might be climbing, hiking? I think 
amplifying voices of people who are already doing it, I think is a really easy way to just be like, like I love when Sam shares posts on Instagram from people. It's like, Hey, you should follow this person because they're doing this really great thing. Um, Usually there's some sort of group that you can like financially help if you have the financial means to. Um, I really love going to um, like Andy and I are active with uh, PDX climbers of color um, and they do like friends of climbers of color. Oh, like that's um, when Kelly's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they do like little fundraising events every now and then. And so we like to go to that and really support them financially. Um, I also just sometimes ask, like, I'm like, how can I support you? Is it, um, is it money that you need? Is it a voice that you need? Is it coming onto a podcast? Is it, you know, how can I amplify you and your voice and your cause? Um, and, um, just making people feel welcome and supported. Um, I also have a friend who is, um, I think her example is really good. She's, white and straight size. And, um, she's been around climbing for a really long time. Her dad was a climber. Um, and so she, you know, recognizes her, her privilege and she was asked to speak on a panel and she was like, I'm not going to speak on this panel, but I'll give you names of people of color and other, like other people that you can have that don't have a voice. Whereas like I already have an established voice. So like she gave up her seat on this panel um, and gave them suggestions of people that they should ask instead of her, which I, I thought was that. really, really great. Um, and a really good and way like to a like, very, what seemed maybe to her seemed like a small gesture is really huge. Yeah. Like she, she recognized that, you know, she gets opportunities to speak a lot and, and she has, like I said, she has an established voice. So, um, it was something that she was like, I really, and I think too, like she really did want to speak on this panel, but she recognized her, her privilege and, yeah. And was able to just take a step back and be like, you know what? I really want this for me, but I'm being selfish if I'm taking it away from, not that I'm taking it away, but if I'm not amplifying somebody else instead. Um, So I think that it was really great of her to recognize the reason that she wanted to speak was kind of a selfish one for her um, and that she could do a greater good by introducing the people at this thing to a different panel speaker. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's little things like that. I think um, something I something that just like kind of makes me laugh is kind of this like savior culture that's going on right now, mm-hmm. like the white savior. Yes, <laughs> it's like so obnoxious, and that's why I like. I mean, I I like was hesitant to like start a podcast and you know try to. I don't like I don't want people to ever think like I'm trying so hard to be diverse because me like I'm just interested in people. Yeah. But I'm like, it's going to be easier for me to just have conversations with people than post about it online. Totally. You know, but uh, it's the people that are constantly posting about like for other things when they're just like white. It's like you're not actually having conversations with these people. And that's, oh, God, it bugs the hell out of me. Yeah. I have, I have friends that do it. Yeah, and it's like, are you doing this to make yourself feel better because of the privilege that you have? Or are you doing yeah. this to actually help and amplify? And I think intent versus impact is a huge conversation in the DEI world, and as it should be. Like, oftentimes things you Can have... You say what? DEI? Uh, DEI, diversity, DEI. equity, and inclusion. Oh, okay. Um, so like, I, was like, DEI, I was like, DIY? DIY. Do it yourself? I can't remember. <laughs> DIY privilege. Okay. Um, yeah. And Can you say the, that one more time? DEI. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, 
a lot of like companies now have DEI divisions or DEI committees that are taking a look at their company um, and saying, as a company, are we honoring diversity, equity, and inclusion? How can we be more diverse? How can we be more equitable? How can we be more inclusive? Um, and so I think one of the conversations that needs to be had too is what is your intent versus what is your impact? Because a lot of things can have a really, you can have really good intentions, but it doesn't land where you think it will. And I think a lot of, like a lot of what you're talking about is like, there are some good intentions and I don't think I generally people have good intentions when it comes to talking about this kind of stuff, but their impact doesn't necessarily land where they think it's going to be or that, you know, it, it, they do it in a way that's just like, Oh, I wish you wouldn't have done it that way. Like, that's kind of a train wreck. I think what people forget to do is like, listen first, Mm -hmm. like ask and listen. Yeah. And like, don't try to solve problems that don't exist. Or if you think it's a problem that exists, maybe talk to the people that you feel are being affected and what would be the best way. Yeah. That's why I try not too much to like, I don't, like when people think of like my work and my pages are not thinking like, Oh, diversity, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I, I try not to like push it too hard. Cause it's yeah. like, I want to be able to like know these people first and like them know me and know like what my intention, like my intentions yeah. are just to like post a pretty photo of you. And then like, if you want to like give me a quote of it, like, like I would do with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that, yeah, there's a level of like trust and credibility that needs to be established before you try to yeah. help someone. Yeah. It's like, not just like, Hey, can I photograph them. you? Cause you're diverse. It's like, no, I want to photograph you cause you're an interesting person to me. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck what like your skin color is, is like how big or small you are. Like, I just want to like you interest me cause you do cool shit. Yeah. And I think in general, people don't want to be given an opportunity or invited to do something or highlighted in a certain way because of what they look like whether or because of their lifestyle, whether it's, you know, no one wants to be like the token fat girl or the token black person or the token gay person. Like they want to be given opportunities to speak on their experiences because of who they are, not what box they fit into. Um, And I think that that's pretty universal for most people. And so when you, when you, you know, go about trying to like help or save these groups of people that feel marginalized, um, the way that you're doing it and the impact you're having oftentimes is um, much more important to pay attention to than the intention. Because yeah. I get that all the time. Of like, oh, I didn't intend to offend you. Like, I didn't intend to do that. I'm like, well, that's fine. You didn't intend to, but you did. Yeah. So like, how can we So fix, now let's have a conversation about it rather that? than calling each other out on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes wonder what uh, box I would fit into. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I, I'm kind of always like in the middle yeah, well, I think... Like, I'm, like, half white, but I'm obviously white passing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm... Yeah. I come from a Mexican mother. Yeah. I'm gay, but I, like, don't really hang out with a lot of gay people. Mm-hmm. Like, I have more, like, lesbian friends, but, you know, yeah. I'm just kind of friends with people because they're, they're people, not because right. I give a fuck. Like, I care who they fuck, but... Yeah. I, I wonder what box, like, people, like, put, put, you put in. me in, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, and I think, like... I know Andy, my fiance struggles with that a little bit because, and he's, we've had a lot of conversations lately about this because he sees me like becoming more of a like voice or inspiration for plus size people. And he feels kind of guilty that he's not doing that for the Asian population because, you know, he's like kind of involved with climbers of color, but he feels like he has to have like a story and, you know, he, he, 
he grew up in Portland. He went to um, a mostly white Catholic private school. So he's like, I grew up really privileged. I've never dealt with like not being given an opportunity because I'm Asian. Yeah. And so he feels like he doesn't have a good voice because he doesn't have this like story of not getting an opportunity because of who he is. And I've tried to tell him like, you don't have to have like a sob story or you don't have to have felt like super marginalized by just being who you are and going out and showing and living your life. Yeah. I think a lot of it just starts with being proud. Yeah. That's inspiring enough. Yeah. You don't have and, to go and on and Instagram to... and make fucking long ass posts every day. Yeah. And I try to tell him that, that. You like, are. you know, yeah, he's, he's like, I feel, proud. he's like, I feel weird about being a voice for, people of color because I don't feel like I deserve to, because I haven't like had a plight. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like, I feel like I'm not Asian enough to be Asian, but I'm also like too Asian to be white. And so, and I'm sure a lot of people who are biracial feel that way. And like, he's not biracial, but he grew up, um, you know, living mostly in a white neighborhood, going yeah. to a white school. And so he feels, you know, like whitewashed, I guess. Um, and at least he's told me that. And so, for him, I struggle about like how to help him not feel that way and just mm-hmm. be like, Hey, just by going out and doing the thing, it shows other people who look like you that it's okay to do this thing. Like yeah, Asians can be climbers because you're Asian and you're a climber <laughs> and fat girls can be climbers because I'm a fat girl and yeah. I'm a climber. And so by just being there, you don't have to have a story. Um, you don't have to have, you know, have struggled just by showing up is, yeah, is a huge, just do the thing. is a huge thing. Just do the thing. Yeah. And I struggle with that too, of feeling like, Oh, you know, I need to be an inspiration. Like, what does that mean to me? And, yeah. um, it's just showing up and being there for other people. Yeah. And yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Just being proud and people will see that yeah. people notice those things. Oh, I love that. That's nice. I had a question in the middle of it, and then I forgot it. Oh, I was, sorry. I was trying to listen. Kept talking. <laughs> just, yeah, no, it's, no, it's great. That's the whole point. Um, yeah, what was I going to ask? I had a good question. Okay, go back a little bit. We're talking about Andy. Okay. Talking about climbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, well, actually, it was more a comment. Just the, kind of the reoccurring theme I've found throughout um, the last few episodes. You know, interviewing Kelly in the last one, and then um, Nandi who's a uh, black girl through hiker mm-hmm. from my year yeah. um, is that is that people want to see themselves represented through other people right like you can have all the white friends in the world but it's nice to see people that like look like you yeah. to know that i okay i'm capable of that yeah so that's why inclusion is so important Totally. Which is something that, like I'm I'm still learning. Obviously, like I'm just look like a you know. Like, yeah, thin, I mean I'm still I'm still learning it too. I mean I just had um an had a weekend with Sam and um a bunch of other women who are all plus size, fat, whatever. Hot girl summer weekend. Hot, our hot girl summer weekend. Yeah, our Love kayaking it. weekend. Well, our non kayaking weekend that was supposed to be kayaking. I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw all you guys in a pool. Yeah, because <laughs> we couldn't fit in the kayaks. Um, so, yeah, so we went to the San Juans for this supposed to be kayak weekend. Yeah. And it was the first time that I had been. Wait, did you guys really can- cancel it? We. Because you couldn't get yeah, in the kayaks? Yeah, we showed up. So they took our measurements a month ahead of time, height and weight. We got there. 
um, there was six of us and two of the women couldn't fit in the kayak. Four of us could fit, but felt really uncomfortable and really unsafe. Like if it flipped, we would have a hard time getting out. Yeah. And so we were like, listen, like these girls can't fit. We don't want to go like as a group, there was eight of us. So it was, um, we had two guys that were thin, like my fiance, Andy, and then another guy. Um, and then the six of the plus size women. And we were like, listen, like if two of us can't go, like we're not going, we're all not going. Like we want to cancel our, cancel our trip. And the owner of the company was a huge jerk. Um, he was like, the only way you wouldn't fit in these kayaks is if you're ginormous. He was on the phone. He wasn't there. Um, and he was like, we take 300 pound people out all the time. Like we've had linebackers in our kayaks. We've, you know, and all of us have kayaked before. We just never had done like, these were like really fancy sea kayaks, yeah. which are apparently different from regular kayaks. Okay. Um, but they didn't mention anything to us ahead of time. Like if you have our height and our weight, we're assuming that it means that, and it said so that we can fit you properly. And so we assume like if you didn't contact us, then we're fine. So he didn't give us a refund. We we're all out. The money was like a hundred bucks each. Um, we fought it. I had to do a credit dispute. Um, we had, we posted about it on Instagram because between all of us, I mean, two of the women were models for REI. Like a bunch of us have, you know, connection. Yeah. I mean, there's like thousands of followers between the, between the six of us. You want to raise a, um, and so we, and so we, we, we posted about our experience. Like this guy was just awful. And people were posting negative reviews on his like Yelp and his Facebook and his Google page. He got them all removed. They're no longer there. So he had to have paid a service because it's a thing you can do, Um, which I'm like, you could have just given us our money back. Like it would have been so much easier. Yeah. And like as a business owner, I'm like, look, if I'm offering a thing and I haven't delivered what you expect or you can't even accommodate or you can't even accommodate. And I think that's the thing too, as, as larger people, we often, here like oh do you expect us to accommodate you i'm like i don't expect you to but if you ask me information ahead of time you say it's to fit me in your thing and then i show up and i can't do the thing because of the size like that's a problem if you have dimensions of a kayak that are restrictive you should have that on your website like this is our kayaks accommodate this size yeah like skydiving companies do that and we don't raise a fuss that we can't go skydiving it's just a thing if you're over a certain amount of weight you can't go skydiving so we don't try to go skydiving. And so that's how it was with this. It's like, if you would have just told us ahead of time, we would have been fine with going somewhere else or doing a different activity. But we drove hours to do this thing. And he was just such a jerk about it. And so um, so then we you know, got to hang out in the pool. And we went on a whale watching tour, which is funny. Our hashtag for the weekend was whales watching whales. Um, <laughs> um and it was the first time that I had spent a, a large amount of time with other women, that many other women who were my size. And that's, yeah. there was only six of us. Like I was trying to think of another time in my life when I was with at least just two other women that were my mm-hmm. size or larger than me. And I couldn't think of one. And that's such a huge, like it was, why do you think that is though? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not it's sure. It's not like plus size. It's not like, are yeah, like, the, the, like <laughs> yeah, like the average woman is like yeah. a size 14. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, I don't know why we don't come together more often. I don't know if it's like a woman competition thing or if it's just, I have no idea. Do you not have many other like plus size friends? No, not. I mean, starting to have a lot more now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Throughout my life. No, I haven't. And 
it was so funny because there's a woman that I met who's doing the climb night at the the other gym in Portland. We've seen each other in the gym before. Like when I met her, like for the first time in person, I was like, Oh, I've totally seen you in the gym before. She's like, right. Like I've seen you too. But for some reason we like didn't go up to each other because it felt weird to go up to another person and be like, hi, I'm fat and you're fat and we should be friends. Um, it felt weird to do that. And so yeah. we like, she's like, Oh yeah, I totally, I watch you climb all the time. You're like, yeah, look at her. And I'm like, I know I do the same thing to you. But now, like, for some reason, we just never decided to be friends. And so I don't know what it is, but I never have had other plus size women friends until recently. And I'm, I love it. Like, it was the first time that I went on a trip with people and we could share clothes or shoes or talk about our experiences as plus size women. And have someone else understand it. And have someone else understand yeah. it and, and not be like supportive, but not get it. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, yeah. I mean, all of my friends are great and they're supportive, but they don't get it. And so, um, it's, it's, it's really nice to be around people that, <clears throat> yeah, that can actually say, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Not like I hear you. Yeah. There's a difference between and like, I, I hear you and I know put your myself struggle. in your shoes. It's like, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think Andy There's was with a certain me. And comfort so, in that. Yeah. And it was cool. Like we were driving home and Andy was like, it was really cool to like, see you like get to connect with other people in a way that like, I haven't seen you connect with people before. Aww, um, hilarious. and so that was, yeah, it was an amazing weekend. I'm excited for more weekends with other chubby ladies like me. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because it um nandi's episode she says how when on the pct which is obviously very white uh when she'd be in town even not even if they weren't hiking you know there's not a lot of black through hikers right there's not like there's like four last that i saw last year um and she says she she said that when she'd get to town she'd see another black person they'd give the like the what's up you know they're like yeah. the head nod yeah. like that's a like Funny, it's never th- something I've never thought of because, uh-huh. like, I mean, I, I mean, I would never like see another. I mean, I don't look Mexican, so I would never like see another Mexican person and be like, "What's up?" Because you know, like, yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, "Why the fuck <laughs> yeah. are you doing that?" And like, when I see another gay person, like, I would never like, you know, like, hey. especially like living in Portland, like, there's gay people everywhere, yeah. you know. And also, you can't just assume someone's gay by the way they look, right? Way, you know? yeah. I mean, like, you can tell sometimes, but but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, a different story. <laughs> and it's plus, plus, like, with most gay men, I think we're just checking each other out. We're not actually, like, giving us, each other, like, the head nod. Like, hey, what's up? And there's another gay person here. I don't know. I just, like, I just, I've never been surrounded by a lot of, I mean, I used to, like, when I lived in San Francisco. But uh, I grew up in, you know, a very, like, straight white community in, in Redding, uh, where yeah. I grew up. So I'm just used to that. Like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable like, with south that. South of Fresno. So yeah. I get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And I think I'm just, like, I'm, like for me yeah for me like i just don't care who people sleep with therefore like i'm not uncomfortable if i'm in a room full of straight people you know so it's but so it but it's so it's really interesting for me to hear that it's that people that like do want to see people that look like them Mm -hmm. as well even if if it's not in you know representation and advertisement it's just just like even just like in a room full of people that all look the same yeah and you're the two ones that are different yeah it's really in a rock climbing gym yeah it's like there's two people here that are over like 175 yeah so it's really really cool to be doing this and just like hear different perspectives like i i love learning about other people in in this way and so it's really cool that no matter what it is whether it's your color or your size like people like knowing that there's that comfortability yeah they just want to feel connected i think in anything that i do whether it's 
chiropractic or climbing or <coughs> literally anything, people yeah. just want to feel a connection yeah. and they tend to feel connected with other people who share similar traits or backgrounds or whatever it is. And it's no different for like what you look like. Yeah. So I'll ask you this now. What, uh, how do you think we can all start to be more connected regardless of our size or our color or our sexual orientation? How do you, how do you think we can maybe break those barriers and maybe where do you think segregation will end within, we'll, we'll just say in the outdoor community cause baby steps, but right. yeah. Um, I just, I think that there needs to be more conversations. I think there needs to be more in-person conversations. I think it's a lot I think, you know, we get so sucked into Facebook and Instagram and the internet. And when you really sit down with someone and get to know them, I think that's why like people in the outdoors really do get to know each other really well. Um, Like people always talk about how like Andy and I got together really quickly. And I was like, not really because we spent literal days with each other and no other distractions, no cell phones. No, like if you think about, first dates it's like or, weeks yeah like, <laughs> like if you think about it like in the like in the like real world like a first date is maybe like an hour or two of dinner and then you go back to you know texting or whatever yeah. but like well and then if you're drinking too then it kind of cuts it short because you don't remember right yeah you know <laughs> and so i think you know when you're spending like our first encounter together was a 16 mile hike with no cell reception like you really That's get to know people a great date yeah so i think that more in-person connection and that's really why like i want to start these plus size climbing groups so i really think jenny is onto something with her unlikely hikers like her group her group hikes are amazing i've been on one of them and i want to do more but our scheduling is weird um so i think just more in-person connection and in-person conversations are really what is important um yeah. and I mean, as, as important as like seeing things on Instagram is too, but I think the most important thing is just really diversifying through in-person connection. Yeah. Something I I've been thinking about for my work is, um, did you see the photo I posted yesterday of the, the, uh, the big guy smoking the naked guy and the, like the, you know, Mm -hmm. the super fit dude jumping. Yeah. I I want to get I want to start doing that more showing juxtaposition mm-hmm. between people because yeah. I thought like oh I need to like I want to like photograph more people of all I mean which I have but right. when it comes outdoors it's a lot harder yeah um but that's something I've been thinking about for my work I was like I think it would be way more interesting to show like a white person with a black person and then like a black person with an Asian person and a plus size person with yeah. a skinny person like start doing more of those uh huh. Cause I want to, I, I like, I want people to feel more connected regardless yeah. of what they look like. Yeah. And I think it's, I think that's really important. I think it's really cool. Like your last couple posts too, that you've been like explaining like what each person represents as part of your personality, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Like, I think it would be really cool to do a photo shoot of like different people that represent different parts of my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think would be really fun. Like just thinking about. We could do. I, I'll, yeah. I'll like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I know it. that there's like, a sassy black woman inside of me somewhere. And there's oh, like yeah. the, you know, not to follow stereotypes, but there, there are different facets of my personality that I could see in myself. And I see that in other people. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of really fun to recognize like the differences in people is what makes them beautiful, but also what connects us on some plane. Um, 
I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like what you've been doing. This, is, this has been a this has been a good ending to the podcast. I think we're gonna leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's good. I like the flow. It's good. The flow is good. I'm ready to flow to some tacos. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't want Berber's hungry. <laughs> Feed me. We would have been eating like 40 minutes ago, but technical difficulties. band and yeah. And just keep, Oh, this is the bane of my existence. I was ready to be like, fuck it, let's just go get tacos. Um, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Thank you. I love this. I love learning from you. And um, yeah. we'll hang out soon, too. Right We're going to go hang out right now. I'm going to make you go rock climbing with me. Okay, fine. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Tommy died. Um, <laughs> cool. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that I, or that I didn't touch on that you wanted that you wanted to say what you've been thinking about? No, I think we've gotten in there pretty good. Good, good. Yeah. Just connect with each other. That's all there is. I love it. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow Megan on Instagram, her Instagram is not... <laughs> PDX Outdoor Chiro. I think it started with Ashley. I think that's what she said on her podcast. So then you st- started saying it that way too. Um, did she say Chiro? She did. Yeah. She did. Well, oh, I didn't know Because I think she was like, I don't remember what it was. Like we didn't really know each other until the po- until the article came out. Yeah. Um, and I had like, I don't know, like 400 followers when it came out or something stupid like that. So now. Okay. So, so you say, and maybe spell it too at, for people who are stupid like me. <laughs> it's at PDX Outdoor Cairo because I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> Which I know, C-H-I-R-O. but I was saying I for, when I would look at it, which I think I do with a lot of Instagrams anyway. But when I look at it, I was also thinking, maybe you know like Spanish, it'd be keto. So yeah, oh well, I, I don't speak Spanish. Well, you I'm know, not, I'm a bad Mexican. Um, <laughs> you're I'm half Mexican. I'm only wanted, half. You're half Mexican. I do need to, to learn put Spanish. a little flair on the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was saying PDX Outdoor Chiro. I'm like, what the hell is a Chiro? Oh, and then I was like, oh, it's Cairo because she's a chiropractor. Like, and I just figured, I texted you that what like four days ago. Yeah, you're like, I was oh, like, it just clicked for me. I that it's just Cairo figured it out. I was like, wow, I'm an idiot. Okay. Oh my god. At PDX Outdoor Cairo. Cairo. Yes. C H I R O. For those of you who are stupid like me, you can also just search my name, Megan Banker. Megan Banker. That'll show. Love it. Like someone that works at a bank. Yeah. That's what I always have to tell people. It's like, oh, Baker, I can't find it. Banker. Yeah. Megan Banker. Megan Banker. All right. Awesome. Well, th- let's go get some tacos. Let's do it. And turn this shit off. Woo. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you made it this far. Um, you know, not much else to really say for the outro, except uh, thank you to Megan Banker for taking the time out of her life to talk to me. Um, thank you, of course, to Aunt Cynthia's Cabin for our intro-outro music. That song is called Solitary Man, and you should download it, as well as their other music, on Spotify or iTunes, and give them a follow on Instagram, which is at Aunt Cynthia's Cabin. Um, also, I am working on a media kit to start selling advertising for the podcast and kind of have a couple little fun tricks up my sleeve, which I will share maybe here in the next few episodes, but I'm really excited uh, where this podcast is going. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Thank you again for listening and joining me, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.